Hello and welcome to the latest instalment of the Invivo podcast. My name is Lucy Ellis-Tate, Executive Editor of Invivo. I'm joined in this episode by Alan Watt, Chief Executive Officer of Nobthera, a clinical stage biotech developing brain-penetrant NLRP3 inflammasome inhibitors to treat chronic inflammatory diseases. This episode and all of our other podcasts are available on the Sightline channel on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, TuneIn and Spotify Podcasts. To find out more, visit our website in vivo.sightline.com. Nobthera is combining a deep understanding of NLRP3 inhibition, pharmaceutical neuroscience expertise and precision molecular chemistry. The company, headquartered in Boston and with operations in Cambridge, UK and Seattle, US, is backed by top tier investors, including 5AM Ventures, Blue Owl Capital, Epidarix Capital, F-Prime, Novo Holdings, Sanofi Ventures and Sofanova Partners. In this episode, CEO Alan Watt discusses a recent publication for the company's early stage data in obesity, as well as its broader pipeline and upcoming milestones. So let's jump into the conversation. Nobthera has released interesting early data on the NLRP3 inhibitors, including a paper in the Journal of Pharmacology and Experimental Therapeutics, which has only just come out. Um, Could you explain a bit more about that particular update? Yeah, absolutely. So, so what we knew from uh, the work of experts in the field, such as uh, Professor Mike Schwartz over at the uh, University of Washington in Seattle, was that obesity is driven in large part by a tiny area of the brain called the hypothalamus. So this senses hormones such as leptin from fat tissue and ghrelin from the GI tract, amongst other things, to regulate appetite and energy expenditure, and therefore body fat. What Mike had shown was that in both animals and humans, obesity is associated with inflammation in the hypothalamus, leading to hormonal resistance and therefore dysregulated body fat. We and others had shown that components of processed foods, such as palmitic acid, activate this key innate immune sensor called the NLRP3 inflammasome. So we reason that it may be NLRP3 that's being activated in the immune cells in the hypothalamus that therefore lead to hypothalamic inflammation. Consequently, if we could deliver an NLRP3 inhibitor into the brain, we should be able to reverse the inflammation, reduce body weight and reduce body fat. And that is really the the yeah you know, the ethos of 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 Nobthera is to you know, develop these brain penetrant NLRP3 inhibitors. So we dosed obese mice with our brain penetrant NLRP3 inhibitors, and we compared this to the GLP-1 receptor agonist semaglutide and also calorie restriction. And what we found was that we we reduced body fat to a comparable extent as, as semaglutide. And we did this by reducing gliosis. So gliosis is the activation of glial cells, which are the immune cells in the brain. We did this specifically in this area of the brain called the hypothalamus. What we also found was that if we dropped the dose of one of the molecules such that we still inhibited NLRP3 in the periphery, but no longer inhibited NLRP3 in the brain, we lost the anti-obesity effect. So we showed that it's the anti-inflammatory effect, the NLRP3 inhibition in the brain that we actually needed. I think what's really interesting about this data is that we're building on the success of the GLP-1 receptor agonists. But if anything, we're going somewhat beyond that. 
yeah, already we we are seeing data on the yeah the GLP ones that go you know through diabetes, which is where they started after all, through weight loss. They're showing kidney benefits. They're showing cardiovascular benefits. And we've exceeded this in the uh, in the preclinical model here, showing markers such as PCSK9, VCAM1, fibrinogen, and so on, actually are modulated in a way that that, that semaglutide uh, does not. So we believe that, that there's a lot of potential in NLRP3 inhibition in both obesity and also in broader cardiometabolic disease. That's really interesting. And we'll talk a bit more particularly about obviously the obesity market and the changes we're seeing there and the technology that you're developing and what's different about that. But what's been the immediate response then to the paper and the preclinical data that you've released? We've been absolutely delighted uh, with, with, with the response, Lucy. Uh, it would be fair to say that as a novel concept, you know, treating brain inflammation to modulate peripheral body fat was something that people really wanted to dig into. So they wanted to dig into the data and really understand the, the, the basis of, of what we've done. And as they've done that, I have to say that, you know, the reception has, has, has been terrific. I mean, what I will say, of course, is, is that it's preclinical data. The real test will be uh, in, a, uh, in, in a clinical setting. But what's been shown by Mike Schwartz and, and others is that, you know, this inflammation in the brain is true not only in, in um, you know, preclinical species, but also in, uh, in, in humans. And we set ourselves a high bar with this by comparing ourselves to, you know, the highly successful drug um, semaglutide. So we're examining the, the, the potential of 796, NT0796 is our, our lead molecule in uh, an, an obesity cardiometabolic disease uh, study uh, at the moment. So we are looking for um, you know, obese individuals, but they have to have elevated CRP at baseline. So CRP is a, is a key marker of inflammation. We're dosing for 28 days in that uh, study in, in, a, in a calorie controlled uh, environment. We're primarily looking to modulate inflammation because that's the purpose of the drug. But as a key secondary marker, we're looking at body weight and body fat to give an idea as to whether this changes over a relatively short space of time. We'll also build on the paper by trying to look at the hypothalamic inflammation in these individuals by imaging the hypothalamus. So we can actually image the hypothalamus with T2 MRI. We're going to look and see in a subset of patients whether we can detect any change in, in this gliosis marker. And, you know, that that will be, again, some further confirmation of, of what we set out to do here. So we're about 50 percent recruited in this uh, in this study. Um, data is going to be available around May of uh, this year. That's really exciting and so quickly to to get onto the clinical data as well. I'm sure there'll be a lot of people watching and waiting for that. If we take a step backwards, then we've talked about this preclinical data, the recent update, but Nodthera is a clinical stage company already and you have other trials ongoing as well. So can you tell me a bit more about the, the company's origin and the technology? Yeah, for sure. So so the um, the company was formed back in um, 2016 and we were specifically charged with you know, drugging the NLRP3 inflammasome. It's you know, perceived as a, a, a very exciting uh, innate immune 
target and actually this was my my second foray into the field uh, i first worked on nlrp3 as a drug target with my team in gsk uh, in philadelphia back in uh, 2008 so i actually came with some history into in, into nobdera what changed in 2016 was the um, was the publication of uh, a paper showing that uh, a Pfizer molecule that had been discovered back in the late 1990s, it's called CP456773, otherwise known as MCC950 in the, uh, in, in the literature. This was shown to be a specific NLRP3 inhibitor. And that, and that was really what the whole field had been looking for. And that's why we really made no progress at, uh, at GSK when we, when we looked at this. We needed a chemical uh, entry point. So once that chemical entry point was available, this led to the formation of a number of companies of which Nodthera was one. We put together a, a highly expert team of you know, mostly uh, ex-pharma professionals uh, such as myself to, to drive the drug discovery you know, towards clinical candidates. Right from the start, we knew that there was a, a link to uh, to neurodegeneration, for example, with uh, with NLRP3. So we pursued a dual strategy of both peripheral and brain penetrant inhibitors. We built, uh, yeah, a really good drug discovery engine uh, around this, and our, our whole ethos was to have a small team internally and a large outsourced footprint. So I think this is a very modern way of running a biotech. And we've continued with that kind of thinking all the way through uh, clinical development. So we're just 20 people, uh, even uh, today, we're, we're highly geographically spread. So we've got a, a team uh, located with me in, in Cambridge, uh, UK. We've also got people in uh, the US, in, in Seattle and dispersed in various parts of the US. And our chief medical officer is uh, is in Basel in uh, in Switzerland. So, yeah, we've really pioneered this this kind of, uh, you know, remote working, uh, you know, as an expert team from from very early days. It's so interesting to hear the history. I know this is obviously the story in a lot of drug development. It goes back 20, 30, 40 years or further. But it's really interesting to get that insight from earlier days, how that travels through and where you are today. You mentioned about the sort of brain penetrative technology. Um, what else is sort of unique about your approach at Not There? Yes. Yeah, so what I would say is, is one of the key innovations we've pioneered with the molecule NT0796 uh, is the, uh, the, the use of a molecule to be both highly tissue penetrant and also immune cell targeted. So we do this by the fact that the 796 is, um, is chemically a carboxylate ester. So, you know, this is a lipophilic molecule. It's highly absorbed. It's highly distributed, particularly into, uh, into brain tissue. But interestingly, M 796 is itself inactive against NLRP3. And what 796 is used to do is to deliver the active carboxylate, which we call NDT19795. And we deliver that into immune cells. One of the really key features of human immune cells is it contains an enzyme, contains an enzyme called carboxylesterase 1. And carboxylesterase 1 converts 796 to active 795. So what this means is specifically in immune cells, which are you know, the, the, the target cells of interest to us, 
we're able to deliver very high concentrations of our drug. So that makes this, you know, a very um, specific and selective way of delivering an NLRP3 inhibitor into the brain. We've also got two other approaches. So NT0249 is a peripherally restricted molecule and NT0150 is a completely novel chemotype, which is also highly brain penetrant. And this is really providing a lot of optionality for us moving forward. You mentioned there about being quite a, um, a lean and small team, this remote working and, and kind of modern biotech. You've got a broad pipeline, you're spanning across different areas from cardiometabolic to, to neuro based on this inflammation um, strategy. But how does that all sit together and how difficult can that be as a smaller company to tie together different areas? Yeah, that's it's a really good question because the yeah, the opportunity for NLRP3 inhibition is actually enormous. When you step back, neurodegeneration, you know, pain, arthritis, ophthalmology, cardiovascular disease, yeah, that's just some of, of, of the opportunity. Essentially, wherever NLRP3 can be aberrantly activated, one can see inflammation-based uh, disease. So given this breadth, I would argue that we're actually highly focused on, on two areas. So, you know, cardiometabolic and, and neurodegeneration. And these two areas are actually not unrelated. Everyone knows the, the comorbidities of, of obesity, for example. Um, but, you know, these do include neurodegenerative diseases, neurological diseases. But similarly, you know, neurodegeneration is also linked to cardiometabolic disease. The reason is almost certainly that there are common mechanistic underpinnings to, to, to these diseases. And in particular, it's aberrant activation of the innate immune system. And, and, and we believe that NLRP3 is a, is a key component of that more often in the uh, in, in the brain. And this is what links the diseases uh, together. So we're therefore being highly focused. We're doing discrete studies in Parkinson's disease and obesity with with, with CV risk. We recognize the links between these uh, these these diseases, um, but at the same time, recognize that they're two huge unmet medical needs that, that we feel that we've got, you know, the the, the, the drugs to explore. I think it's that kind of thing, isn't it? Everything's connected at some point and it's realising those connections. And I agree with, yeah. with so much potential being able to focus into two areas. It must have been a difficult decision as well. Exactly. Um, obviously, obesity is the obvious choice at the moment, but it's a, a rapidly changing market. It's exploded as a therapeutic market after not being in that space for a while and, and being very much surgical. So what are the challenges of being one of the smaller players sort of coming up through an evolving marketplace? Yeah, it, you know, I think we see it less about the, the 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 challenges and more about the opportunities here. I, I think what we know are that the the GLP one receptor agonists are superb drugs. So there's there's no question that that they're changing the landscape in um, you know not just uh, obesity but yeah you know, in all of the um, you know, associated comorbidities uh, there. 
what we also know, of course, is is that these are imperfect uh, medicines, and, and in particular, yeah, the adverse event profile associated with them is really indistinguishable from the uh, from the mechanism of uh, of action. So, what that does for for a company such as us is 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 actually create an opportunity. It, it sort of says, you know, if if we can come in and either work with the GLP-1s or find a way to do something that the GLP-1s can do, uh, but do it differently and, and, and do it better, and particularly without the adverse event profile, you know, we, we see that that will be uh, you know, enormously value generating and, and, and potentially delivering yeah, a lot of potential in, in therapeutics. It's definitely going to be a market that keeps us all on our toes uh, uh, for a while. Yeah. You have a lot of experience um, across the sector and big pharma as well. You mentioned your time at GSK. So um, perhaps you could hear just a bit more about you uh, and your background in pharma. Yeah, of course. So, so yeah, I was I was trained as a chemist. So uh, my, uh, my 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 first role was uh, actually as a uh, as a medicinal chemist. I was uh, recruited at the, the the start of my career into uh, into Merck. Uh, so Merck had a, a, a newly developed at the time neuroscience research centre in the uh, in, in the UK. Uh, my first boss was uh, Dr. Ray Baker. So I'll forever be indebted to uh, to Ray for giving me my my start at, uh, at Merck all those uh, years ago. And really, you know, I built my uh, my, my expertise there. I, I learned my craft and built my expertise at, uh, at Merck. Worked my way through uh, to eventually lead the uh, the drug metabolism and uh, pharmacology uh, departments uh, there. Um, I then did spend some time in uh, in, in GSK. First of all, uh, working with uh, with Jackie Hunter in the uh, in, in the neuroinflammation space. Uh, and then transferred to uh, to Philadelphia, where I, um, I I built a new team working on uh, on innate immunity. Um, spent a couple of years in, uh, in in Philly, then came back to UK. I, I worked for uh, an Anglo German biotech called uh, Cellzomes. They were based here in Cambridge in the UK and also in in, in Heidelberg. So I led the uh, the drug discovery there, actually until exit to, uh, to GSK, ironically. So uh, I ended up you know, working with GSK uh, again there. Uh, I then spent a couple of years with uh, with Kevin Lee at uh, Bicycle Therapeutics, uh, you know, the, the um, cyclic peptide company uh, working in uh, oncology. So that was my first real experience in uh, in, in, in oncology. Uh, but, you know, along the way, I think I've gained experience in neurology, um, you know, neuroscience in general, inflammation, all things that, you know, every day, I think, play into what we're doing at Nobthera. It's such a varied career as well, moving between pharma, biotech, different therapeutic areas. So are there any particular lessons for your role today, uh, leading Nathera, that you find yourself thinking back on from those previous roles? Oh, yeah, I, I, absolutely. I, I, you know, I'd say I call on my experiences from pharma in particular, you know, j- just about every day. Um, I think a couple of things uh, above all else uh, yeah, I find important. I, th- I think what I learned there was yeah, the value of, of, of building strong and cohesive teams. Um, 
and also you know working with the very best people you you possibly can so yeah having strength in depth even when you you only have a small team uh to to, to work with yeah, what I found is that, you know, if, if you work hard for the people around you, you know, they work hard for you. And, and, and this is the sort of philosophy that, that, that we have in, uh, in, in Nobthera. So, you know, we have, I think, a real belief in, in, in what we're doing. Uh, and we've managed to create, I think, a good deal of excitement, actually, in the uh, in the company, a real cohesion around a common goal. And, and again, you know, that's come from yeah, working in 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 big companies and understanding how how teams uh, actually uh, function. It's a question I love to ask uh, leaders in the industry. But uh, what is it that keeps you awake at night? We had a a wild twenty twenty three for this sector and more broadly for other industries. But looking ahead into twenty twenty four, what are your main concerns? Um. So I yeah I. I, I I'd say that I I do sleep pretty well, um, but you know, in in terms of the business, I think ma- maintaining the momentum. So we we've built a, a huge momentum over twenty three. Getting the data that that, that that we've published done, we've got more data coming uh, behind that. Yeah, initiating the uh, the, the 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 clinical studies. Um, yeah, providing the, the 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 leadership to the team and keeping keeping us on the right path. You know, this is it's a daily challenge, but but yeah, one that I actually uh, do relish. Um, I th- I think right now though, uh, we are we are on the right track. We've we've got a very clear plan for development. We we as I say, we know the indications that we're going after. We've got great support from our investors and. Yeah, we've managed to put Nobthera in a in a leading position in the uh, in, in in the industry. So I'm I'm absolutely delighted with that. You mentioned there are some of the the key milestones that are coming up uh, that you're excited for. But what's the long term vision for the company when you're looking further out? What's next? Yeah, absolutely. So you know, I'd say we're currently at you know peak Nobthera. That you know the company has never been in better shape. We got the clinical read in uh, Parkinson's coming up in, in in a matter of weeks, and the uh, the obesity with CV risk is is just around the, uh, the 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 corner. Yeah, I think when you step back and think about yeah, as a startup in in, in 2016, we're now planning for phase two A and phase two B studies in uh, in in 2025, and yeah, and that and that's quite a buzz I think um, we also have a number of exciting partnership discussions with farmer and investors ongoing right now and I think that this could really yeah accelerate the business into fulfilling it, its potential um to, to me I think above all else though you know what I would say is that yeah, NLRP3 is a mechanism that that's that's really fundamental it's really important. And we have the drugs here potentially to change the world. We know that a large proportion of the diseases of the modern world, you know, the Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, heart disease, atherosclerosis, obesity, etc., they all have this common underpinning of chronic low-grade inflammation. And so we believe that actually, you know, getting these drugs to patients and making a positive impact on people's lives, yeah, that that would re- really be the crowning glory of the company.
And it's so interesting for us to get the chance to sort of come in early and, and hear that, especially when you've got so much coming up as well. Definitely a space for us to watch. Absolutely. Great. Well, thank you for your time, Alan. Thank you so much, Lucy. Thank you.